All right. It is Wednesday night. Um, we are on YouTube. We are currently unsure if anyone else is able to be on YouTube. Uh, there seem to be some issues with YouTube, but this is Gabe DeArmond, Mitchell Forty. It's the 573 Report. We're going to talk some Mizzou stuff. Hopefully everything gets functional here for everybody. If not, hey, we're going to record this and you can watch our reruns. So, uh, I don't know, Mitch, like every week Missouri plays and we kind of have it down to a science and everything's okay and we have everything planned out for the week. And then on the weeks Missouri doesn't play, apparently we just work a lot harder than when they do. Yeah, yeah. We, we joke you know, every week, like, yeah, today, Wednesday is the uh, the deciding day on if they're actually going to play or not. And uh, this week it went the other way. They're not. It's not happening. Uh, we sort of, start, sort of started to see it coming yesterday. Um, you know, when, when they moved Eli Drinkwitz's press conference and heard some rumblings about a positive test. Um, and then, of course, you throw in uh, all the news today about, you know, basketball signing day and bragging rights. And uh, it was it was a jam packed day. We earned our money today. Yeah. So we'll go. Uh, and and it, it looks like we're starting to get some people trickling in. Uh, John, let us know that YouTube hasn't been working. It is now. So hopefully that continues. Hopefully more people will be able to access this and, and get on and, and be live with us. And want to invite you guys questions and comments for us throughout the show. Uh, we are sponsored by 573Ts. You can check them out at 573Ts.com. All sorts of good stuff for you. Uh, but at 8 o'clock on the show or right around there, uh, Missouri basketball assistant Cornell Mann is going to call in. So, hey, all the kids have signed. Cornell can talk about the, the recruits they got. He can answer questions about the season. He can talk about whatever he wants to, basically. It's YouTube. There's no rules, right? So uh, we're going to gonna take your guys' questions for Cornell as well. We'll have some, but if you guys have questions for him once he pops on, certainly feel free to put them in the comments. I'm going to warn you, we will screen them. Like, you, you can't ask anything obnoxious. You can ask something obnoxious, but it won't get through. But um, so that gives Mitch and I about 25 minutes to to kind of just run through everything that's happened and take your guys' questions about what's going on. Let's start in chronological order. So, yeah, yesterday afternoon, we kind of start to hear um, there's some issues going on over at Mizzou with, uh, with COVID. Well, we didn't actually, starting even before that, to give people kind of the inside baseball look at – the press conference is supposed to be at noon, and at 11.15, we get notification, hey, press conference is delayed till 5.15 because of a conflict. And at that point, that's all we know. So, like, we're going through all sorts of things. We thought they're reworking the SEC schedule. I postulated at one point Eli Drinkwitz had COVID and was getting retested. I mean, all kinds of things are going on. Uh, come to find out, obviously, Missouri has some issues, which then got worse overnight. Yeah, pretty much. It was, uh, you know, it's one of those things like that. A lot of things get rescheduled in sports media, but the uh, the head coach's weekly press conference isn't one of them because SEC Network usually tunes in. I mean, it's, you know, you've been doing this longer than me, but certainly in my three seasons here, we haven't had a uh, weekly head coaching press conference changed, especially at that short of a notice. So that was kind of a, a heads up. But yeah, we uh, we had to narrow it down for a while there. We were chasing down all sorts of hypotheticals. And by the time we, we, you know, we talked to Eli Drinkwitz last night, we really didn't learn much at that point. All they knew at that point was that one player had tested positive. It had impacted one position. One of the ones where there's an SEC threshold, we've now found out it's the defensive line. And they, they thought they were still going to be able to play, but weren't sure. Um, but did another round of testing yesterday and another one of those came up positive. 
I assume again on the defensive line and, and that made it impossible to uh, to have enough defensive linemen to play. Yeah, we we didn't know for sure what position it was until I guess Jim Sterk said it, you know, on on SEC Network on Feinbaum's show earlier today that it was the defensive line, which now we know. And I mean, the protocol is you only have to have four, so we can kind of deduce. I mean, you counted it up. Missouri had thirteen av- available or total on the roster. So they have 13 total scholarship defensive linemen on the roster. That includes players listed as outside linebacker. Um, so I guess maybe they could have not included those, but I mean, that's guys like Trey Williams, Trajan Jeffcoat, um, Jatorian Hansford, guys who have played plenty if, with their hand in the dirt. Um, but that's Missouri's also not including, including players those like guys, Kobe Whiteside, who we knew would be out. Right. If Missouri's not including guys like Trey Williams and Trajan Jeffcoat, they didn't really want to play this game. I mean, that's just, right. Exactly. That's the truth. So they're probably including those guys. So what we were figuring, even if Darius Robinson's out 11 healthy defensive linemen, right? So, uh, yes, that's that, that, that is, I, I believe so. Cause I don't know, unless there's other injuries we don't know about. Right. And so we're assuming 11, we know two tested positive. So that means they're under four. We know they missed it by one. They have one. So six guys are in contact tracing, um, you know, cause we were told that the suspension didn't impact it. Um, we were actually told kind of last night, Missouri was pretty doubtful. They were, that it was going to be able to play. So, Now the question really turns to this is how many of those guys are back in time for South Carolina? And the truth is we don't know now and we're not going to know probably until maybe next week at this time. But I think even that's optimistic. I'm not sure we know next week at this time. Right. Yeah. They might just have to kind of make a call hoping it gets played or saying, well, we're not sure, but we got to err on the side of not or try to find another game for South Carolina because yeah. So basically um, players who tested positive can come back within 10 days, but they have a four day reacclimatization period where they have to, I believe test negative and pass all the cardiac screenings and all of that stuff. And then contact traced individuals are out for 14 days. You can't test out of that, but that does count back to the day that you were deemed to have the high risk contact, which could have been last Friday since one of the tests came out on Sunday. Um, so it's possible maybe you'll get guys coming out of quarantine on like, you know, Thursday or Friday of next week, right before the game. And then it's like, at that point, it's hard to wait and see though, unless you really think uh, you're really confident you're going to have enough numbers. So it is going to be a little bit of an adventure there. And here's what I don't understand. In case asks the question, did they even test the people they con- contact trace? The answer is no. I mean, yes, because they get tested every three or excuse me, three days a week. So at some point those guys were tested and probably tested negative. But the truth is, and like I have to be unbelievably clear here, this is not our opinion of how it should be. I, we didn't make the rules. We only can write about them. Eli Drinkwitz, Greg Sankey, these guys didn't make the rules. They can only abide by them. So once you are deemed to be a close contact, you are done for 14 days. Now, the original SEC rule said you can't test out of that. I I talked to somebody today who seemed to think maybe that wasn't the case, but here's what I don't understand. So Nick Saban gets a, you know, a, a positive test. The very first thing he does is spend the next three days getting tested to get negative tests. So these guys that are contact traced test negative. Why, if they were to test negative three more times, are they not allowed to play? And again, 
It's not our opinion of what should happen. The SEC rules, the rules all over the country are that they can't, and I don't really have any idea why. Well, I, I guess I have an idea why. I don't know that it's logical, but this is the this the, the the explanation that was given when this started for why players can't test out of contact tracing is because once you've been exposed to the virus, theoretically, it could not manifest itself in a positive test for 14 days. So, with in Nick Saban's case. They hadn't found that he had been exposed to a positive individual. He just tested positive, and they're like, well, that could have been a false positive. They test three times in a row. They say false positive. For a player who's been exposed, you could test, you know, a theoretical, you know, this again, this is not my opinion, but right. what the, the protocols are guarding against is you could test them four or five days in a row. They could all be negative. Then on the sixth day, it's a positive. Um, you know, I've read plenty. I actually read a, a good Ross Dellinger story today about how there's talk about um you know that the 14 day mandatory quarantine period for close contacts is too long because i don't i think it's that no one has tested positive after day 11 and even anyone testing positive after day seven is very rare this is among athletes only um so you know certainly i think there's hope probably among the sec or among others that 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 window could be shortened or, or done something like the nfl does where you have to test negatively. It's five days in a row after you're deemed a close contact. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think that change will be made in time for Mizzou, South Carolina. I think I think they're dependent on playing that game for players who weren't healthy, getting healthy from a, from an injury standpoint, and players who the player who tested positive on Sunday or even the one who tested positive on Tuesday, both being back in time for kickoff. Yeah, and. Again, like they are the rules, but look, I was on the SEC teleconference today and Greg Sankey was on there, the commissioner of the league. And you can tell even he's a little frustrated with this. I mean, because he said, you know, the what's making this hard is the contact tracing. And we didn't make those rules. Those rules are in the public health domain and all that. I mean, think about the Big Ten, which is even worse, which is 21 days. I mean, the Big Ten basically made a rule that said, we know you want us to have a season and Scott Frost and Ryan Day seem to want us to have a season. So we're going to like kind of pretend that we want to have a season, but we don't really want to have a season. That's what the big deal <laughs> Yeah, rule. pretty much. And the SEC rule is a little bit better than that, but it makes it incredibly tough. And Travis is asking what kind of tests they took. Is anyone taking rapid tests or does it take a few days to come back? I, all I know is that like, I know Alabama's testing daily. They're the only SEC school that I know is Missouri tests what is it, Tuesday or I think it's Sunday, Sun Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, the Sunday results come back Monday. The Tuesday results come back Wednesday, which is what the second positive was today. And the Thursday results come back Friday. Now that the Thursday test is pretty interesting because they come back Friday morning. So theoretically, you know, Hey, everything can look good. Then ne next Friday morning at 6 AM, Missouri can find out, Oh, we can't go to South Carolina games called in. I mean, there's never really a day where you feel like, okay, we're good to go until Friday at 8 a.m. And um, look, it's a mess. I, I mean, it, it just is. And the SEC finally, you know, I, I saw plenty of shade thrown at the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Why can't you figure this out and this and that? Well, SEC hasn't figured it out either, guys. Nobody's figured this out. And we, we kind of knew that something like this was inevitable. It's just a little bit worse because it happened everywhere in the same week. Right. And it kind of worse that it happened after everyone had had their buys in the middle of the season. 
Um, you know, I, I mean, in one sense, it's good that we made it this far for sure. Um, you know, I mean, this there was a time a couple months ago where we did not think everyone would play five, six, seven games. Uh, but at the same time, it, yeah, it would have been probably better if everyone was going to have a bad week for it to be two weeks ago where you still have a lot of the midseason bye weeks to work with because, you know, teams like Missouri already had a game scheduled for December 12th. So now, yes, you can probably use December 19th, but now if you have one more, you know, postponed it's just not going to be played yeah and you see our incredibly pathetic sec ticker uh, running across the bottom of the screen <laughs> there are three games one of them is vanderbilt and kentucky so we're down to two and a half games one of them yeah. is south carolina and old miss so i'm gonna go like two and a quarter games and we're gonna get back to all this stuff in a minute but we've actually got cornell man calling in right now and uh hey coach man this is gabe can you hear me we got Cornell Mann over in the green room. Uh, well, they are they are definitely working on things. Uh, Cornell, just uh, just give me a wave if you can hear me. Okay, so we're gonna add Cornell into this conversation. There's Cornell Mann. He popped me? up on our screen. What's up, Coach? How you doing? Good. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. I, it. This is amazing. Uh, we figured out technology, man. We have mastered everything <laughs> there is to master. So. Uh, Appreciate you joining us, Coach, and uh, and just so you know, you're you're live on YouTube with us. Uh, we got fans watching. We told them they could ask you questions, but we're screening the questions, so you're not <laughs> you're not going to get any questions. You really uh, really don't want to. Uh, you're not going to get any mean spirited fans here. So appreciate you joining us. But uh, we, real quick before we get into it, what was uh, what you guys do today? You be, you just getting done with practice, or or what was kind of your guys' day like? Well, we started out by getting some individual workouts in. Mm -hmm. Is it too loud? No, you're good. You're good. There was okay. some weird background noise. But... Getting some individual workouts in every morning. Guys come in and get workouts, uh, each player. And um, from there, we go to uh, a film session. And um, that's probably about 15 minutes. And then, uh, and then we resume practice. We get practice started. But tonight we did have a second workout. Three nights a week, we we come back um, and get some shots up and and go over uh, a bit of our offense. Okay, okay, Mitch, go ahead, man. We'll just yeah. kind of go back and forth. Yeah, hey, Cornell. I don't know if you can see me. I actually can't see you, but uh, hopefully you can hear me all right. Um, obviously, I we've been talking a lot about. All right, good. We've been talking a lot about you know COVID nineteen, and, and this has been an off season unlike any other for every sport, not just football. Um, you know, wh what? Where do you feel like the team is at compared to a normal you know point a week or two before the season starts? And uh, I mean, just how ready is this team to get back on the floor? Because I assume this is about the longest any of them have gone without playing basketball in their lives. Well, the, the summer. Um... The summer happened where we didn't get to, to work out and, and didn't get started uh, with the with the with what Coach Martin liked to get started with in the summer to to start the building blocks toward the season, and um, but I'm, I'm sure 100 percent that the guys are ready to play somebody else other than themselves, um, and because the season was moved back a couple weeks, uh, I don't think it had that big of a, a impact in terms of we got some work. The, uh, 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 the last two weeks that we wouldn't have gotten or the next two weeks that we wouldn't have gotten. Um, but we did miss the summer. So, but at the same time, I, I think having a veteran team is, is key. 
having a veteran team is key in the pandemic. Cornell, I, w- I wanted to ask you, I mean, obviously you see all the issues that have happened this week in football in the SEC. I mean, I think people people look at it and say football is a contact sport and just kind of naturally think basketball might be a little easier to pull off. But I actually think, I mean, hey, man, they got pads, they got face masks. They're, you actually maybe sometimes can be six feet away from somebody else in football practice. Basketball seems to be much more close quarters. I mean, what is just kind of the concern level of, hey, if, if one guy gets this on a team, you, your whole team's kind of done for a couple of weeks? Well, uh, the truth is six in, six in one hand, half dozen in the other when it comes to football, basketball. But the truth is everybody is under the same deal. Everybody is dealing with the same thing. Now, will, will it impact teams differently? Of course. Um, but what can you do? What can you do? And, and I think our, uh, our training staff and, and uh, the, the, the people here in Mizzou and Mizzou Athletics, the administration, obviously Coach Martin and PB, uh, Nicodemus in the weight room, all on the same page, uh, all have the same protocols. And uh, anyone who walks in the arena, which everyone cannot walk in the arena, but anyone who walks in the arena has to get, uh, they have to go through a little bit of a protocol in terms of a, uh, uh, get, getting your temperature checked, uh, checking checking for symptoms. Um, I think uh, people at this time people are, would be very honest if something was not right. Um, and our guys are really good guys. Uh, our women's team is is handling things appropriately. So you know the, the one thing you you can do is just be as safe as you can be, be as careful as you can be. And I think we got that going. Corna, before we get to some of the, the viewer questions, I had one more I wanted to ask you. Uh, we, we talked to uh, Drew Bugs today for the, the first time I had talked to him, and uh, I was really impressed by him. Obviously, the newcomer from Hawaii, he said uh, he, he's looking to, to pursue a future in coaching. So I'm just curious how he's been fitting in so far, how he kind of complements the, uh, you know, the, the, the many existing guards or returning guards on this team. And, and if you can see kind of that, uh, that, that coach on the floor from him and, and how he, what he brings in that regard. Well, I think, I think he's, um, he's a pure point guard. He, uh, he take uh, great care of the ball and he values uh, making the the assist pass over scoring the ball. Um, and, and that's something I think that, that we can use. That's something that Coach Martin was looking for. And so he's he's a really good guard. He got nice size, but he's very different. And so when I say that, I'm saying, just like you said about him wanting to be a coach, he is an extension of coach on the floor. He does a great job when he's not in, of course, when he is in, but he does a great job uh, on the sidelines, talking to his teammates, helping them understand uh, whatever we're doing on the floor as a staff. Um, he has some great leadership uh, capabilities. And uh, and I think the guy, he's not scared to say anything or talk to anybody, and he handles uh, his conversation toward anybody the right way. So um, I think I think he's on a great path to, to, to being a, a, a coach and – uh, for our team, he is very valuable already. 
So, Cornell, one of the reasons we want to do this is because a lot of your fans, this might be as close as they get to seeing you in person this year. Obviously, attendance is going to be limited and everything. So we got some people watching along, and, and we've invited them to, to ask some questions that, that they want to know. So I just kind of want to pass these on to you and, and see what you have to say. Mark Robinson wanted to know uh, how, how Ed Chang, one of, your, one of your new guys, has looked and, and what you've seen out of him in practice. Well, Ed Chang is, is, is interesting because Ed Chang – is in his third year of college. But when you step into a new program, you have to learn things all over again. So you have to start anew. So he's in a larva stages of, of learning everything that we want. Um, but with that being said, um, Ed Jang has a, uh, he has a really nice three ball. And, and obviously that's something that we can use. And uh, he has great length. So defensively, uh, even when you think you're getting away from him, especially at the rim, he, he has the ability to uh, get to the ball even when when uh, when you're a little bit awake. He has some really long arms. And then uh, Travis Travis asked us, uh, how, how are Mark Smith and, and Jeremiah Tillman doing health-wise? Are they, they full go? You got everybody on the floor and ready to go for this season? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, Mark is, is, is a, a machine right now physically. Um, uh, Tilly is, is the same. Both of those guys are athletic and, and has uh, the ability to run, cut, and play at a very high level. And, um, and they are very healthy. Both of them are very healthy. So we look forward to that. And obviously, we look forward to all the guys being healthy. But those guys in particular, I understand why you would bring them up, but those guys in particular are in, in great shape and in great health. Uh, another one of the guys want, uh, watch along. You guys got to sign a new class today, and I'm sure you've, you've got some thoughts on all those guys, all five of them that signed with you. But uh, specifically, Sean Dewar-Gordon is a kid who I think I'm pronouncing his name right, first of all. But uh, yeah, a kid, right. kid that's going to come in in January. That's something we've seen a lot in football, but we've never seen it in basketball, really. A kid that comes in mid-year. So, uh, you know, kind of what was the process with him making that decision and, and how much of a kind of a leg up do you think that gives him going forward in his career? career well i think it's i think it's very smart i think it's a wise move for the kid uh, he had already uh, academically handled things he's a really smart kid um and so he handled things academically which gave him an opportunity to make it and um you know i think it's smart I, I think it i think it really helps him i think it helps us because he gets to come in and and learn the same things that i'm i'm talking about ed chang in terms of being at the larva stage, will at this time next year, John Dur Gordon will be uh, past that stage, and and so he'll have the ability to come in and be more impactful, uh, possibly than he would have had he stayed in, in at the high school level. Coach, uh, another question from from me. I know uh, you know Xavier Pinson's a guy who who really kind of came into his own. It looked like the the last about third of last season, the last ten games or so. I'm curious, you know, how, if at all, does he look like a, a maybe a different guy having that experience, having that chance to to get his confidence up and, and also go through the, uh, you know, some of the NBA draft process this summer? I know it wasn't traditional, but. Well, X, X is, uh, I mean, you guys, you, this is what you do for a living. And so, you know, what you do. X is a really talented player. Uh, he did come into his own. Uh, the one thing that people have realized and it is important. Sometimes it don't matter, but it is important. X is very young. He was 17 when he got to the field. And, and he's still not 21 at this point in time, only 21. 
21 till June. Um, and so he still has uh, a high ceiling. And I think right now he, he's pushing toward it. He's reaching for it. Um, uh, I think he's picked up from where he left off last. He's very shifty. He's very confident right now. I, and, and the thing that I think Coach is most proud of is X is, is becoming more of a traditional point guard than he was last year, than he was his first year, uh, which, which means he's just really looking for guys a little bit more and finding pockets where he can score, having a balance to it all. And so um, X, is, X is, I think, Coach is really happy with it right Cornell, we've talked a lot about how this year is different from anything anybody's ever dealt with, but especially, I mean, the guys find out before there's even a practice really that, hey, this year really doesn't count for anybody. Now, I know as far as eligibility, I know Coach Martin said today he expects in basketball a lot of the guys are going to be, hey, ready to maybe go get paid and go go do their thing that are seniors. Uh, and I don't know if he was talking about just your team or overall, but I've talked to some coaches uh, – that that say this eligibility thing was important because there were a lot of guys that were worried, especially in football, uh, but also probably in basketball, that they might get four or five games into a season and then things start to get canceled and they've wasted a whole year. And this, doing this was a big deal to convince guys to play. I mean, what was your experience talking to talking to the guys and and do they even think about this eligibility thing really, or are they just ready to go play ball? Well, I, I mean, I haven't really talked to, to any of the guys about it. I think they focused on playing ball this year. Uh, I think, you know, for each individual guy, uh, they, they, they let the chips fall where they may uh, a postseason. Um, I, and, and I'll be honest with you. I think um, if you're on the verge of finishing your master's degree or have another semester before you finish your, your degree, um, it would behoove them to, to make that move and stay. But uh, I, I don't think anyone have made, made their mind up on, on any, anything they would do um, because you still got to play it out. You got to play it out and see what happened. And, you know, the, the NCAA, I, I think they're doing their best in terms of putting this out there for them. Um, and so we'll see. We'll see. I think I th it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy though, <laughs> in my opinion, because it's just the number crunch. Yeah. And and then you have young guys coming up through some programs because some programs they may keep all their guys. Uh, other programs may lose all their. Guys. So it's just gonna be a little bit of a montage of of college basketball at least for a year or two. Uh, another one of the uh, the fans watching along is asking about Torrance and, and Javon, and those are guys that have been here. I mean, they're veterans on this team, you know. Or, or they, have you seen a, a step out of those guys since last year? Well, they bookend guys, meaning they're 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 program guys that I think um, will continue to get better. Both of those guys are really tough. Uh, both of those guys play hard. Um, I think they both defend well. And I do think that they, they have elevated their game, even if they elevated their game through experience, um, I think they elevated their game. Um, time will tell, but both of those guys are doing really good in my estimation. 
Corn, obviously one of the you know unique things, one of the many unique things to come out of the, the pandemic was recruiting going all virtual, not having you know visits and, and uh, both for the prospects and for the coaches. We talked to some of the football staff about this, but I don't think we've really gotten a chance to talk to, to you all about it. Just you know what what has that what changes has that brought about for you all? Is there any was there any real difficulties in that for your all's approach that you had to adjust for? And is there anything that that coming out of that you say yeah maybe we could incorporate this uh, into into how we do things moving forward, even when there's not a pandemic going on? Well, it's, it's a very good question. I think it's, it's interesting um, because what happens is now um, you are dealing mostly with families uh, directly. And because you had time through time, then we were able to cultivate some great relationships with, with families with players, obviously continuing to do so. But I think it afforded us an opportunity to allow families to get to know us, for, for them to get to know Coach Martin and his true personality. If you watch games, sometimes you think, you know, Coach Martin is this big, tough type of guy. And, and you know, he's intense, no doubt, but he's also uh, a very kind, very gentle man. Uh, that that cares deeply, and so so you get all of that um, when when you have time over time to to talk with families and Zoom call after Zoom call, um, but you 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 have a better chance to get to know the families. Now, with that being said, it also puts you on a playing field that's level. Uh, you're not talking. I mean, you talk to coaches, you talk to AAU coaches, you talk to high school coaches, you talk to workout guy. That won't change, but some of those tournaments and extra people in kids' ears and things and, and, and all of that stuff happening is, is, is not necessarily happening right now because of the pandemic. So I just think it, it evens the plan for us some. And, and, I, and I thought uh, we did a great job as assistants. Obviously, uh, Coach Martin is first and foremost, he did a great job in terms of keeping himself available at all times for the, for the recruits and their families. And, and so it works well for us. I mean, it works. It works really well for us, and I think we will continue to do that even after the pandemic. I think it's, it's very, uh, I think it's very good for families to have that personal time with Coach Mark. Cornell, your all's jobs. Uh, I mean, again, in this year, where, I mean, hey, you don't start start the season for like fourteen days, so it's cool that you just kind of figuring out the schedule right now and all that, you know, uh, everything that's changing this year. Uh, I mean, there, there may be a team on your schedule that, that is changing head coaches this week. We're still adding games, all that is how much different from that perspective is what, I mean, I know you're probably not necessarily sitting down doing like a, a, a scouting report or anything three weeks in advance for a team, but how much different is season prep from what you and Marco and Chris Hollander are doing every day because you just haven't really known what this season's going to be like? Well, it's business as usual for us. Um, at this point in time of the season, um, we would be doing what we're doing now. Uh, it, we'll get close. Well, I take that back. So if we had a, a, a scrimmage, we would have done at this point, we would have done a, a, a mock uh, scouting report. Um, and we'll still do that for uh, 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 inner squad scrimmage because you still have to give an idea uh, of what a day, 
a game day would be like, a, a prep uh, day prior to game day would be like. And so we'll still do those things. It just will not be uh, w with a scrimmage and or with the, with the game that don't count. And so for us as assistants, we, we, it's business as usual. Um, and, you know, again, if it's not business as usual, <laughs> It would be it would be similar for everybody, and and so I, I think that's the one thing that I think everybody can lean on is is it's going to be some times where it feels unfair. It'll be that, and for different teams. Um, but with that being said, uh, is unfair to have a pandemic? It is here. What you going to do? You know, yeah. I just I thank God that we are able to play basketball because we need it. Mitch, go ahead. Coach, yeah. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we there, there's a lot that, that goes into having a successful season. It, it doesn't often boil down to, to, you know, one or two or three key areas or anything like that. But I, I'm curious in your mind, um, you know, what are what are kind of some of the emphases that, that you'd say, you know, I, I need to see this or I really want to see this for, from our team this season if, if it's going to be what, you know, what the season we want? Well, balance would come to mind. Uh, 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 the, the ability to uh, play fast. Um, prior to this year, uh, well, the last two seasons, uh, Xavier was young. Drew was still getting acclimated. Um, we, we did have turnover issues. And so obviously uh, coach didn't want to push the pace too fast because we had young guards that had to figure it out. And, and now uh, with age and with experience, uh, those guys have done a great job and they figured it out. So, so the pace will, will be sped up. Um, you, you, you also have a, a number of available bodies to play, which means you also have a number of lineups and versatility to add. Um, uh, with the pace and the ability to play a number of guys, you can also tire teams out. So I'm really looking forward to the pace of the game. Um, I'm looking. I'm. I'm looking forward to see uh, the balance in terms of our, our offense, uh, the 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 uh, aggression in terms of our defense without fouling, um, the ability to take care of the ball better because we have older, more capable guards. A couple of them are the same. Uh, but they are more capable uh, than, than, than before. Um, and again, we, we do have numbers. So for a veteran team that may or may not lose a player for the pandemic reason, we got enough guys where possibly we will be okay pending any issues of that sort. Coach, we'll just keep you for a few more minutes here. Appreciate you taking the time. But one of the good things about this format is, yeah, we want to talk about the team and all that, but it's a chance for for people to get to know maybe you a little bit better. And look, most assistant coaches at, at some point have goals of of running a program and all that. And uh, I'm just curious kind of what you've learned uh, – not only from your time around Coach Martin, but, uh, you know, obviously plenty of previous stops here at Iowa State for quite a while, just uh, uh, over your years about that's prepared you 
kind of with your ideas going forward, whenever that opportunity comes, I want to be clear, clear. I'm not trying to run you off here. People are perfectly happy to have you in Columbia, but you know, uh, if that opportunity does come in the next year or two down the road, just kind of what you've picked up along the way that are, are things that you would say are your foundations of, Hey, if I'm running a program, these are, are some of the things that I'll take from the guys I've worked for. Well, I've, I've worked for a number of guys and, um, all during the time I was there, all were, were successful. Um, you know, that's a good question and a tough question. Uh, and, and I do have some of that stuff written down. Any coach would have uh, things written down. Um, but I'll say this. Each coach that I worked for had a different philosophy. Um, and, and I understand each philosophy differently, if that makes sense. Um, I've, I've coached at Central Michigan where it was 100% motion, but we had Chris Kamen, big-time player, top three pick in the draft. Um, uh, and so I learned a couple of things in terms of a, a, a working big guy, all right, um, and obviously some motion. Um, then at Western Michigan uh, with Steve Hawkins, uh, who is one of my best friends, um, I learned a lot from him because I was really, really young still. And, and, and that was only my second, that was my third year in Division One, my second Division One job. And uh, I give him credit because it was times during the game where I would say, hey, coach, let's run this. And he would take the time during the game to say, Corn, we can't not run that because <laughs> our poor man cannot make the pass. The idea of what to run was really good but I didn't take in consideration the personnel. And so I, I started to learn those type of things. And, uh, and Hawk was, uh, Hawk was a, a John Wooden guy. So I got to meet with, with John Wooden a few times and spend some time with one of the best minds in, in athletics, which was awesome. Um, then at the University of Dayton, uh, Brian Gregory, I, I, thought he, uh, I thought he did a good job. He, he kind of mirrored the Michigan State stuff. And so uh, I had an opportunity to learn a good bit from him. <laughs> but let me say this too, it's, it's things at each of those stops you learn not to do as well. Right. <laughs> you know? I won't speak on that. Um, <laughs> but the University of Dayton was a great stop. It was, it, I, I, did learn, I did learn a great deal. Um, uh, I, I'll say this, that, that my work ethic went up really high because the, the, the demand on the job was really high. I, I would even go as far as saying probably too much. Yeah. Um, but I learned from that. I learned from that. It, it gave me a, a sense of work ethic. And, and I still carry that, that with me because that's a great experience. Then Iowa State was, was very interesting because um, Fred was, he had just finished one year and hadn't coached, but the one year in college or at all. And so when I came in, I was able to help him put together a, a, a defense that really helped us. We didn't spend a lot of time on defense because he's an offensive guy, but, uh, I was able to spend a lot of time putting together the defense and putting together practice plans and those type of things. I, I thought it was a high demand on my position but not physically, mentally on, on my, my body or my mind. And so obviously that was a good place. Oakland University was one stop. I've been knowing Campy forever. 
and uh, and I like Campy. Campy is very different from each coach that I've I've worked for. He's kind of an outlier, and uh, he kind of, you know, marched to the beat of his own drum, which uh, which I think is good, and and sometimes maybe not. Uh, but he, he's a great guy. Uh, I love spending time with him, cracking jokes. He's a good dude. Um, and then being here, I, I cannot even get close to explaining how much I'm learning from Coach Martin. So obviously, uh, he's an African-American male, which he will be the first and hopefully the last uh, head coach that I work with. But I learned a lot from him from that perspective. I also learned what it means to be uh, uh, in the community and do things the right way. And, and, and try and do your 100% best for student athletes, not just on your team, but student athletes all around. Uh, I think Coach Martin spreads himself pretty good throughout college athletics, and he's on a bunch of uh, committees and that. And, and I, I mean, I tip my hat to him. I, I'll tell you this, I don't know if I'll, I'll be able to do as much as him, but, but I hope to do uh, as well as him in terms of when I do implement myself in those type of situations. And um, and I consider myself a defensive guy. I have become a better defensive guy without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the last one we're going to give you from, from the fans that are watching and see, like they always ask us, why don't you guys ask these guys the tough questions? Right. And we're like, Hey, there's, there's ways to ask the questions. we got to be diplomatic case just lays it out. And he says, what's the goal for the season? So, look, I assume the goal for every team is the NCAA tournament, but but how do you guys approach the beginning of the year? What's what's a successful season for you guys at the end of the year? Well, let let me I'll, I'll say it this way because I don't I don't want to be I don't want to misspeak. So, the the number one thing is to become a better team every day. Is to become better every day, and uh, through the year, to continue to rise your level. Uh, uh, your com competitive level, uh, uh, your uh, team continuity in that, it, it's, it's all encompassing. But um, I don't think you stick a number on it. The NCAA tournament, of course, of course. Um, but I don't, I, don't think, uh, I don't think it's fair to the guys or fair to the, to the team to, to necessarily say, okay, you know what, we're going to do this. I think I think for for us is to get better every day, and to go out. And now I'll, I'll I'll say it this way though. We will play or would like to play, and will feel good about playing and winning against anybody in the country, home and away. See, that that was an excellent coach answer though. Get better every day, man. That that's what a head coach says. <laughs> well, it's true. It's true. Now, if you get better every day with the guys you got, you should you should end up in a very very good right. place. Right. But uh, again, it, it's some it's sometimes or some places or some coaches that would be nervous to walk into an arena and ah, we don't we don't have that. We'll we'll go into any arena and, and play against whoever, and we feel great about the outcome. 
Cool. Coach, thanks again for, for taking the time to chat with us. Here's my last question. It's just, you know, we, we've obviously we've touched on on a number of individual guys. And, and you, you know, you talked about uh, kind of playing faster this season. Um, I, I'm curious if you just have anything else to, for, for fans to watch for this season that we haven't been talking about, be it an individual, be it something that 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 you're excited about that uh, that, you, that you think we should be watching for. Uh, no, I, I don't. But 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 I do think the fans will uh, have a good time with this team. Whether you have the ability to get in an arena uh, and 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 catch a game, or or catch it on TV, I think I think you know I think this is a year where you get your popcorn ready and and how you juice on the side and you know be careful that you don't throw the popcorn in the air and spill the juice. Um, I, I, I do think it'll be an exciting season. Uh, our guys are looking forward to it. Um, and again, we'll, we'll, we'll look to get better every day and, and let the chips fall where they may. And, and we, we definitely feel like the chips will fall in a very good place. All right, so we've asked you a bunch of things. We've given the fans a chance to ask you questions. So now I'm going to give you a chance to talk to them. Like when, when you're a coach, when, when you're the University of Missouri basketball team, what do you need from them? Like, like this is a two-way relationship, right? So what's what what's what's what do you need from the fan base for this team this year? And and so I know understanding trying, they can't all be there. And I'm not trying to get you in trouble. No, no. no you trying to get you trying to get these fans to DM me? Nothing illegal. You're to get them to, to, to at me? And not at all. Huh? I'm just saying, you know what? What I guess a better way to ask that is. How much can a fan base mean to a team, especially in a year where, look, they can't really – I think 3,000 of them can be there, but obviously they can't fill the building. So when they can't go, I mean, what, what do you hope – what does the coaching staff want to see from, from Missouri fans and, and what can they do to, to kind of help, help out the program? Well, I think, I think the one thing they can do is, is continue to stay positive, uh, continue to uh, retweet. Uh, or or repost anything that Mizzou basketball, Mizzou athletics is 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 posting. Um, I think um, I think I think our fans sometimes need to have compassion a little bit more. Um, it's is 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 hard to be these players sometimes, and 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 they wear their uh, person on their sleeve, and so just take that in consideration at times. But but I get the whole fan thing, and I love fans. I love fans, and, and, and I think fans are extremely important. Um, and I look forward to playing in front of whatever fans we got. But I also look forward to getting uh, uh, some tweets and some messages from fans watching the game and, and saying how much they enjoy uh, the product on the floor. All right, so last thing, you got a live coin flip for the home, field, home court advantage in bragging rights. Who gets to call the coin tomorrow night? I have no idea. That's so why not I'm you? No, no. <laughs> I, you'll know it before me. All right. Well, Cornell, appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much, and uh, and look forward to uh, hey, maybe actually getting to to cover a basketball game here in a couple weeks. No doubt about it. Thank you, guys. All right. Have a good one, Cornell. Thanks, man. Thanks Corn. Joining us and uh, appreciate you guys uh, being around and asking questions. And that's something we're going to try to do uh, with this show a little bit going forward is is get a guest and and let you guys hear from from some of the people that like, look, I, I mean, I'm really interesting. Mitch is very insightful. I, I know that that you guys would love to just 
listen to us talk for an hour every Wednesday night. But uh, but if we can bring in some of those other guys, and, and look, it's an off-season thing. I can't ask Eli Drinkwitz to do our show, although maybe I can. I don't. It's not like he's got a game this weekend. I guess he can <laughs> you, you can ask. He will right. not say yes. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, we can't get Eli Drinkwitz on. We can't get Connor Bazelak on right now. But, like, in the off-season – you know, we can we can get some of these guys maybe to, to come on with us and and use this new format and give you guys a, a little bit of, more of a chance to get to know them. And like Cornell, man, it, he's an, he's entertaining. Uh, I, I like that guy. He's 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 fun to talk to. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Always has been. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I appreciate all your guys' questions and, and Mizzou Cobra. Sorry, man. We just we were letting corn go right when uh, right when your question came in about the uh, the offs the offensive system. We will definitely try to ask that either to Cornell or to Coach Martin or or whatever as we go forward. But um, appreciate all the questions and and got in uh, as many of them as we could. So I don't remember exactly where we left off, but uh, we kind of left off with I don't know man football season it's it's kind of weird yeah I mean I feel like that more or less covers uh our basketball talk but uh yeah we we I know we were you know discussing kind of the uh you know I, I know it said if another game gets postponed uh it's probably not getting played at least for Missouri and and talking about just kind of uh yeah the uh the hectic week in the SEC well, and, and there was a comment, and it was a while ago now, so I, I can't go find it. I'm not sure who made it, but I, there was also some comments like this on our message board, and you and I have talked about this. This is the way I feel. Like People are saying it's just kind of hard to get into the season. I mean, because it doesn't seem like a season, and Eli Drinkwood said something yesterday that really put it in perspective for me. said they're going to enter their 18th week of practice next week, and they played five games. I mean, it's not – it's not a season so much. It's like if you were taking a class, but you never had class. They just said once every three and a half weeks, yeah, come in and take a test. You know, I mean, that that's what it's like. It's just like, here's a game, and then, I don't know, we hope we can have another game pretty soon, but we don't really know when or who or where. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, obviously there was a time when, when people thought we wouldn't have football. And so there's a segment of the, you know, the population and the fan base who are still obviously, you know, super excited and, and especially having a new coach and getting a couple, you know, wins as an underdog earlier this season that, you know, got generated a lot of excitement. But I think for the majority of sports fans who are more casual viewers, maybe not the type of the type of people who subscribe to our website, right. but the more casual sports fans, it, it has been a lot harder to get into. You go, you know, oh, who's Mizzou playing this weekend? Oh, they're not playing this weekend. Oh, but I assume or you just start assuming they're not playing this weekend or getting used to kind of, you know, filling your, your time with things other than football. And so it, it has been been kind of interesting, um, you know, and I'm, I'm certainly, again, glad we've we've had the amount of football we've had. But. I think it has probably, you know, hurt just the, the casual fan interest a little bit. Yeah, it, it's I don't know. It, it's it, it's just so disjointed. I, I mean, and <laughs> I, I nobody knows what to expect going forward. I, I mean, I think at least we've reached the point where everybody understands we all want football. Uh, but nobody can make it happen, right? It's it's just kind of going along. Travis gives us a a good topic to discuss. Barry Odom is a head coach again. You forgot to talk about that. So here is, I, I brought this up. I you know I, I don't know if you know Mitch. I'm like a multimedia star. I do many different uh, many different media things. <laughs> and uh, I brought this up on a show I was on uh, this morning actually, where 
Barry Odom is actually attempting uh, to win a second straight game in Gainesville, Florida, and have Felipe Franks be the main reason he wins that game. Uh, because he kind of was the main reason Barry Odom won the first game in Gainesville. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think about it like that. He very much was. He was not good in that uh, 2018 game down at Gainesville. Yeah, I mean, good for Barry Odom, I guess. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, it makes sense to, to make him the interim coach. Good for Michael Shearer as well, former Mizzou yeah. linebacker. I don't know if many people know this. It was a is a defensive analyst on the staff at Arkansas. And with Odom being promoted head coach, someone else being promoted to defensive coordinator, Shearer, I think is like coaching linebackers or something uh, for, for that game. So uh, good for him. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to 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 you know see what uh see what he does as head coach. I'm sure you know it's it's a little different when you're the interim coach. I'm sure uh, I'm sure Sam Pittman will be heavily involved in the in the game planning and scripting and stuff like yeah, that. Not good for Sam Pittman. Um, you know, uh, yeah. certainly wishes to coach Coach Pittman. Hope he he gets uh, well soon. And uh, I I, I kind of want to see him coaching from a hospital bed. Like, I'm not going to lie. I, I mean, every coach should use this opportunity to pull a Hugh Freeze, right? I, yeah, see, I, you know, I know that the coaches aren't allowed to have like virtual contact with the players during the game, but I 100% think, and we brought this up before the Bama game, we should have cameras on the coaches watching their own team on TV I, I and mean, like just freaking out. Literally, is there anything against saying that Sam Pittman cannot charter a private plane, get to Gainesville by himself, get a suite where nobody's going to be and have a hospital bed up there or a dental chair or many of the other accoutrements that Hugh Freeze has used and just like hold up a sign in the suite, right? Like, you know, thumbs up or a thumbs like down after four, every play. three double over blit, you know, just, just hold up the signs and maybe Florida won't know where you're at and it'll take them a while to figure out what you're calling. So. Yeah, I was going to say, you can't probably throw out the exact play language, but the college teams use signs anyway. Right. They they're using those these signs, signs with like, like pictures, pictures on them. Yeah, pictures of Britney Spears and crap on the sidelines. Like, it, I think it would, might actually be fairly clever if somebody just wrote out the actual plays. People would be like, well, that's not what they're calling. They're not just going to tell <laughs> us their play and then run that actual play. Yeah, you'd have to be. Yeah, you couldn't do it every time. They'd probably catch on eventually. But if you sprinkled it in there, yeah, it might yeah. work. So uh, I want to go back real quick, kind of finish up here in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, whatever we got, uh, and talk a little bit more basketball and bring it back to the whole conversation we're having, tonight, right? But I think there are probably some football coaches that maybe are fudging contact tracing a little bit as far as, yeah, he was never within six feet of that guy for 10 minutes. In basketball, you legitimately can't be – in a basketball practice and not be with, I mean, you're two feet from the guy you're guarding the entire time. You're sweating on each other. You're probably spitting on each other. I, if one guy gets this, and, and I think I, I was on the SEC teleconference when you guys were talking to Conzo today. So I think Conzo talked about this a little bit, but I, you're done for two weeks. If one guy on your team gets this and not just a couple people, like everybody's done, your team's done for two weeks. Yeah. I'll be, I'm certainly curious to see how that works out. I think that's very possible. I'm sure. I mean, I just, I gotta think that they've found some sort of, you know, I guess I don't, I don't want to use the word loophole, but you know, a way to avoid having everyone else at practice count as a close contact. I don't know if they, they're wearing some sort of mask thing. I don't know if they're, they, you know, are using those GPS monitors to try to make sure that the contact is sporadic enough that it's not right, 15 like minutes, Xavier whatever. Pinson, but, sorry, you've been too close to your guy. You got to guard Tillman the next seven possessions. 
Right, or you pull someone out of the game. Yeah, exactly. Rotate like that. I mean, truly, like, it would make sense to have, like, a manager in charge of tracking that type of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Conzo said, you know, he, like, he he was, I mean, you know, he did not go out and guarantee, like, this is going to work. He was asked at his press conference today, he basically said, like, you know, it's 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 tough. It's going to be the same deal for everybody. But yeah, if, you know, we have an outbreak, you're missing two, three, maybe four games. Um, you know, we're putting 26 or 27 games on the schedule. The NCAA, the minimum to make the NCAA tournament is 13. So I feel pretty good about getting there. Okay. That's interesting. I hadn't seen that number that, so yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the goal for everybody. Then just play 13 games and make yourself eligible. I, I like that rule better than college football where the minimum number is zero. I mean, there's literally it's at least no one. Rules. I think I think I'd be pretty be pretty wild if they threw. I forget who's playing zero so, games. Like, I think UConn. If they threw them in there because they're undefeated. I mean, could like North Dakota State make a bowl game? They played one game, I think. I yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I still am not convinced bowl games are going to happen outside of like the New Year's. No, six. they shouldn't because that was the big focus. Uh, that was the major focus when Greg Sankey talked on the SEC teleconference, which he doesn't do very often. So. Look, it was mostly, you know, national writers talking to him. And the big focus was, what are you going to do about the playoff? Can you move the playoff back? Can you adjust? Is this flexible? Blah, blah. So I think the smart thing to do, right, is say, we don't have to play the SEC title game December 19th. We don't have to play the Big Ten title game December 19th. We move that back two weeks. And and people are going to go, well, then kids are missing Christmas. Kids miss Christmas to practice for the freaking Independence Bowl. They can miss practice to <laughs> missed Christmas to practice for the SEC title game. So you move that back two weeks. You just move everything else back two weeks. You tell the, the Rose Bowl to stick it, that they might not get their New Year's Day sunrise after the end of the third or sunset at the end of the third quarter. But the problem in that is, you know, who wants the bowl games? ESPN wants the bowl games and ESPN runs this. It's why the SEC schedule might get all reshuffled. Cause you know what CBS wants at some point between now and December 12th, it wants LSU Alabama. Even if it's not the game it's always been, they want that game. So if if LSU Alabama happening means maybe Mississippi State Ole Miss doesn't happen, then so be it. That's the way it's going to be because those are the people that write you forty three million dollar checks at the end of the year, and they get to write they get to make decisions and kind of tying it back into basketball. It, it's a similar deal, like the NCAA tournament has to happen this year. The NCAA legitimately could go bankrupt if the NCAA tournament doesn't happen. They're figuring out, look, if everybody plays six games, they're going to pick 64 teams that had the best six games and put them in it. Yeah, 100%. And and regular season games don't matter as much from an inventory standpoint as, you know, in football. Like you talked about, like, you know, LSU, Alabama makes, you know, however much money for CBS on its own. And, like, uh, you know, each game, because you only play or playing 10 this season, is important enough to try to do everything you can, even play on the weekend of the of the, uh, the SEC championship game to reschedule. Like, they, they basically, when they made the basketball schedule, conceded not every team is going to play their 18 conference games. It's literally impossible. I mean, like, you know, if you have a single outbreak on one team, they're missing two or three games and there is one weekend for makeup games. So, you know, but I don't think, but again, I think they're, it's kind of okay. SEC is kind of like, okay with that. You know, hope we hope we get, you know, maybe limit it to one outbreak per team where each team misses three or four games for a season. That's it. You make up one of them, you know, you play like 15 league games. Good enough. If you're like you said, if it's less than that, um, you know, say, say, you know, 
every team at least gets to, you know, 15 games or 13 games. They, I mean, that's why they have a minimum. Like, And it's going to be uneven. It's going to be different numbers. So the selection process is going to be a mess. But at a certain point, fairness takes a backseat to, to the, the money generated by that tournament. And let's be honest. If four-seeded 11-4 and four Florida State is playing 13-seeded, you know, 12 and one University of Ohio in March. I'm watching that game because oh, yeah. of, of everything that we didn't get to see over the last nine months, I missed two things. I missed the NCAA tournament and I missed the masters. Now I get the masters starting tomorrow. Kind of it's weird masters, yeah. but it is the masters. So they can give me a half ass 13 game NCAA tournament. And I'm going to watch that. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm I'm Maybe. totally with you. I missed missed the NCAA tournament. I think everyone did, and as long as you can put it in a bracket and have people pick it and bet on it, it'll be popular. Hundred percent. Who knows? Maybe we'll even cover an NCAA tournament this year. I don't know. That would be something. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but hey, appreciate you guys uh, jumping on here. And like I said, we're gonna try to to kind of add some guests in here and and do what we did with Coach Man tonight. Um, again kind of more of an off season thing. We can't ask these people to do this in the middle of their seasons, but um, in, in sports that are, that are off season, maybe we'll get a coach, maybe we'll get a player here and there, you know, just, uh, and, and we're more than happy if you guys have somebody that, that you want to see, uh, want to get to know more of. And yes, look, I know you want to hear from Eli Drinkwitz, right? Again, uh, don't ask us to get Eli Drinkwitz on the show 14 times, but if there's, uh, a player or somebody in a lesser sport or an assistant somewhere that that you think, hey, my, this might be entertaining to to get to know them and maybe get to ask them a question or two in this format. Hit us up, uh, Twitter, on our message board, in the comments, wherever, and we're happy to do that. Because we spent so much time with Cornell, I do need to hit up you guys again for a couple things. Hit the like button before you're done. Hit the subscribe button before you log off. And make sure to check out 573tees.com to get all your Mizzou merchandise, all any other merchandise that you want, um, but probably need a Mizzou shirt to what was it, Mitch? We're gonna have some popcorn and juice watching Mizzou basketball games. Was that <laughs> that's was right? That your popcorn and your get your popcorn and your juice. <laughs> yeah. Do you think he meant? Uh, I I don't know what he meant by juice, uh, but I, I think don't know I know if what he, he meant, meant by juice, like orange juice. Yeah. That that wasn't probably my. Not. That wasn't my impression. So, yeah, check out 573tees.com. And uh, if you go through the link on our site, you can get 10% off. Um, I don't know. Do we have anything else happening this week, Mitch? Like, I think it all happened today. I think the rest of the week is just watching golf. Truly. Like, every – like, all the news from – like we did nothing last weekend and then we're going to have nothing this weekend. And it was all crammed into like the past 18 hours. Uh, yeah. I don't know. We could, we could preview the remaining sec games, but they're all terrible. So, okay. We'll do that I, I in about, we'll take 20 done. seconds each. Let's see. We've been on for an hour and four minutes. We're going to be done by an hour and six minutes. So Vanderbilt at Kentucky go. I don't know. I mean, I, I saw that Kentucky's favored by like 18 points. I don't know if they can score 18, but they should win. That was my first thought. Kentucky can't score 18 points. Um, Barry Odom versus Dan Mullen. Uh, Florida probably comes out a little bit hungover after last week, but I they are most certainly talented enough to win that game anyway. I'm sure they'll like pull away in the third quarter and in, win by 20. In any normal circumstance, Mizzou fans would want Florida to win this game. But I think after what happened with Florida, Mizzou fans actually maybe want Arkansas to win this game. Um, South Carolina at Ole Miss, name a player other than Matt Corral in this game. 
Um, Ole Miss has that guy named Snoop. I know Snoop. Okay. Snoop Connor. Is it Snoop? Okay. Uh, they also have Kenny Yaboa. He's a tight end. I like him. Yeah. And they have Elijah yeah, I, Moore, who pissed like a dog. Yeah, in the have, egg I was going to say. Year. I was going to say. Yeah, they have Elijah Moore. They have. I know some Ole Miss players. I've watched them at the, <laughs> okay. this season. South Carolina. Ma- maybe a better one. question. Name a South Carolina player. I can. I can only. I can only name you Halinski, who I don't think has played this season because he was the, the quarterback starter. last year. I assume right. Marcus Lattimore is still there, so I'm going to go with him. Uh, right, probably. Yeah, true. so that's the in-depth SEC stuff you come here for. But again, our thanks to Cornell Man for taking some time. Thanks to you guys for watching. Uh, no shows this weekend, obviously, because no game. We will have the the five seven three report again next Wednesday night, and I don't know, things will happen, and we're gonna write about them. So uh, hopefully, you'll read it. Thanks, and we'll talk to you later on.